0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, January 15th. We are here live. We've got, uh, we've got a few things going on already this morning. Hopefully this is actually working. I am on a setup that I've never tried before. And uh, it's kind of an emergency situation and I didn't have time to test it. So it looks like so far the music worked. Uh, it looks like my voice is going out over the airwaves. I'm not sure yet. And then the next challenge will be, can I get a caller in here and get them to the point where we're all hearing each other? We'll see what happens here in just a second. So uh, it's it, sort of weather related, not quite, but uh, that's part of the issue. I think we could probably all sit around and tell weather related stories today, Um obviously there's a lot of crazy weather going on around the country some of our numbers may not sound all that extreme compared to what I'm seeing around the country with really severely cold temperatures but this was a very extreme weather event for us here and uh, a little challenging for me because I had three different locations that needed attention Um, we normally Normally, never see temperatures anywhere under 20. And 20 is pretty rare for us. We spend most of the winter in right around 40 or so. We'll get a couple of snows. It'll drop down into the high 20s every now and then. Pretty mild winters for the most part. Uh, Not this weekend. This weekend, um, we have been down in single digits since Friday, we were down as low as four degrees we're not much higher than that right now Uh, i am out at the homestead and that's kind of why i'm having equipment issues today my mixing board that i keep out here decided it just didn't want to turn on today at all Uh, not a whole lot i can do with that not easy to troubleshoot if it won't turn on. So I had to scramble. Luckily I had my backpack with me with some extra equipment. I'm actually testing something that we're we're shooting for anyway. I just wasn't ready to test it. One of the things we've been, um, one of our goals has been to be able to do this show from anywhere with just a laptop or even possibly just an iPad but we haven't got to the point where we were ready to test that equipment yet. Luckily I had it and I've been playing around with it. Uh, Today, right now, all I've got is a laptop, Uh, that's it. We're doing the whole show from just a laptop, no mixing board, no other audio equipment. Um, The audio is probably not great right now because the the mic that I'm using is designed for a studio and I'm in a kind of an echoey room over here at the farm. So uh, we'll see how things go. And again, I'm a little nervous about bringing a call in here. It might not work. Uh, Speaking of calls, though, jump in and join us. It is a free-for-all. Things are going to go fast today. We've got uh, a little bit of time right now. Uh, Brent Hutto will be joining me at the bottom of the hour. We are bringing back uh, Rates and Lanes We're gonna talk about what's going on with uh, freight and rates and volumes and all those things here in a little bit. In the meantime, pick up the phone and give me a call. The number, we're still on the same phone number. We haven't had to switch phone systems yet. Uh, 319-527-6791, or you can hit the call button on your app, and that will get you in here as well. Uh, Again, uh, I'm a little nervous Calls are always an issue. I'm not sure if I have all the audio routed right to make a call work, so we'll know here in a little bit. Either way, um, no matter what happens today, we are only doing an hour, uh, mostly because I've got to go take care of stuff. So I said we could probably all sit around and tell weather stories. I'm going to start. It did get very, very cold here. We got about... I'll bet we're somewhere between 18 to 24 inches of snow out here at the farm. We didn't get nearly that much snow at home in Cascade Locks, even though it's only 20 miles away. But what we did get, crazy 60 to 80 mile an hour wind gusts um, while it was snowing. So we didn't get as much snow, but boy, it was crazy. Still is, wind's blowing like crazy when I left there this morning. Uh, I have been jumping back and forth We were out of power at home for about 36 hours, came on late last night, gone off and on many, many times. Um, We lost power for a little while at the farm, but we did have water freeze up out here, and I do have a burst pipe. I was trying very hard to keep things warm out here, but it wasn't enough. I've got a burst pipe out in the pump house, so I got to fix that today. Uh, The coach actually saved us a little bit. We were able to keep the coach running on the generator and kept that warm, and we had everything we needed out there. So um, it's just been a lot of work. I've been running back and forth between um, the two houses and the coach, trying to keep everything warm and not freezing and deal with power outages and frozen lines and uh, plowing the driveway out here. Uh, at the farm, luckily, I've been able to keep that clear because, like I said, we have almost two feet of snow out here. Really, really light, powdery, because it's so cold. It's absolutely beautiful. So I'm not complaining too much. I am tired. I've been working long days. I've been carrying a lot of firewood. One good piece of news I'm actually surprised by. I was a little concerned on how this um, the house might do out here on the homestead it's really old i mean the original structure was built in 1902. Uh, another part was built in 1940 and then one in 1970. Uh, single pane windows no insulated windows at all but the house is solid wood i mean everything's wood outside inside walls floors ceiling and big big stone fireplace inside and out a beautiful soapstone wood stove, and I am shocked at how easy it's been to keep the house toasty. Even down in low, low single digits. uh, The house is almost uncomfortably warm out here because I have the the wood burner just cranked up. Using a couple little oil heaters on the other end of the house and uh, toasty as can be. Um, Even when the power was on, we weren't keeping the house in Cascade Locks all that warm. Um, A lot of glass there and big high ceilings and a lot of airspace, and it's been hard to keep that warm. When the power went out, it got really cold over there. So that's my weather story. Phone lines are starting, so I'm going to figure out if this is going to work or not in just a second here. We're going to have a call screened, and uh, we'll find out whether or not this is going to work, because if I can't talk to a caller, we're just going to have to call this for the day so i'm keeping my fingers crossed we uh we're gonna grab a call here right now and see if this works brad are you with me
1: yes i can hear you
0: all right now the next question is when you talk are you getting any feedback of your own voice
1: no i don't believe so okay sounds good
0: oh we we might be able to make this work today then Let's give it a shot. What's on your mind?
1: I wanted to talk about my numbers, but I guess I didn't ask Morgan to bring up my uh, profit gauges.
0: I can put you back on hold if you like and we can get that pulled up. Sure. Okay, I will do that. Mor- Morgan is screening a call right now. Uh, as soon as she gets this one done, I will let her know uh, to grab, ooh, now I'm getting some feedback in my own voice. That's bizarre, Uh, there we go. Just gotta make some volume adjustments here. Whew, that was weird. All right, right. we are, all right, I'm gonna try another call, and Morgan, if you could bring up um, Brad's profit gauges numbers for me, if you're hearing me now, and uh, I'll come back to Brad when we get those numbers. In the meantime, I'm gonna go to South Dakota. Austin, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. What well, can I help you with today?
2: I'm calling because I, I, I haven't. So I, I, was in a bond over the weekend. Um, I was in South Dakota, and obviously, um, it's like freezing cold. And I, um, my truck broke down, and I got a, I needed some. It was due to my death system, so it really wasn't due to the cold. And it was a, um, it was a knock sensor that needed replaced, and. When I initially went to the place they were pretty cool people they were nice all that and um they way overcharged me for a part for 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 a job that should have taken 4 to 6 hours and they charged me like 12 hours for this job and I mean obviously I paid the bill so I had to get my truck out but I don't I'm kind of wanting to know like what my options are because if they overcharged me I mean they can't do that can
1: they
0: Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, so don't shoot the messenger here. But of course they can. I mean, they can charge you whatever. Now, there are some rules if you requested an estimate, um, depending on your state, these are state rules, they cannot go a certain percentage over that estimate without contacting you and getting you to agree to that. But it doesn't sound like there was an estimate. Um, No. So, and here's the thing. I'm torn on this. There are things that happen that just cause jobs to take a lot more time, no matter how good the mechanics are. I mean, I work on enough stuff to know uh, some jobs are one busted bolt away from 10 more hours work you know trying to to drill out a bolt and tap it or it, there's there's things that can go wrong that can add a significant amount of time to a repair even if the shop is really good now i don't know if this shop is right. any good or not i don't know if this was a legitimate 12 hours or not but when well, it, it none of that really matters cuz i can tell you this your only hope really is to maybe negotiate with them and get a little bit of a refund. I doubt that that's going to happen now. I'm not even, you could always ask. If they just say no, then your only recourse is to take them to small claims court. And it's just not worth it. You have to do it in South Dakota. It's a real hassle. The odds are you're not going to win anyway, uh, because they may have, many legitimate reasons why this took longer and they had to charge you for their time. This is why, right. and I realize when we're on the road, you don't always have the ability to have shops that you have relationships with. Things happen on the road. If this were a shop that you had a right. good relationship with, you might be able to negotiate it. Hey guys, can can we split yeah. this? Or, uh, But even then a good shop is going to say, look, it really did take us this much time, and it wasn't our fault. We didn't break anything. We didn't do something wrong. It just took this long. And, and maybe that's the yeah. case anyway, well, but without a relationship, it's almost impossible to negotiate anything like this.
2: Yeah. Well, the main thing is is like I kept calling because I was like, I needed to find out what's wrong, and they really wanted to tell me, and they want to give me an estimate or a quote or anything, and they did all the work. And they stuck me with the bill, and I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even approve any of this. I mean, that's not really right for them to do that. I mean, yes, I dropped it off and told them to fix it, but they never told me anything what was going on. They just fixed it. And there were several other guys there. So I know that they didn't take 12 hours on my truck because they, they charged another guy 10 hours of labor, and he got there after me. So, I mean, the guy must have never left the shop. I mean... And they charge him $2,600 just to unthall his truck, which I think is outrageous. But
0: It, it could be. Again, this, this shop might be a total ripoff, or they might be a great shop. I don't know. It's not going to matter much. One of the things you could potentially do next time so that this doesn't happen again is when you drop off the truck, you ask for a written estimate at that time. And if they won't give you a written estimate, then you either decide to take the truck someplace else or you take your chances. If they give you a written estimate, then you have to understand whatever the rules are in South Dakota. I don't know, like I said, this is this is different in every state. And it's different sometimes for us because this is considered a business-to-business transaction. We always We don't get the same protections that a consumer might get. So you gotta look it up in the state. Some states will say, if you have a written estimate, they can't go more than 10% over without your written approval. And if it's everything's documented, right. then you would have a case. But I'm also going to tell you, it's probably not worth pursuing the case anyway.
2: No, I mean, if I lived there, I could see it, but I don't live right. there. I mean, I'd have to take time off and odds are I'll get there, I'll schedule all this time off, and then they'll they'll move the date back and then I'm yep. basically screwed out. So that
0: That's... That's exactly what can happen. It it is one of the dangers of this business. Um, We have to deal with shops like this and they might be predatory. This might be, you know, their their model. If you're from out of town, they kind of stick it to you like this. I don't know. Or it could be a great shop and this is just what it took to get your truck fixed.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good at explaining things, but you know, again, I feel like with all the trucks they had there, I just don't see how they would have taken that much time on my truck when they had multiple guys there getting fixed.
0: Well, there's a couple things that could happen, and again, I'm, I'm just speculating because I don't know. If they put three people on the truck, you're going to be charged three hours for every hour of work. Because they're paying three technicians, so that's one possibility. They had multiple people working on it. You can rack up more hours than what you were there. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that does. I never actually ever realized that.
0: That's one huh. part. There's another part that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, there, there is a method of paying mechanics and technicians that's pretty common. When I, I used to manage body shops, and this is how we paid everybody in the body shop, the, the, the technician or the mechanic is not necessarily being paid an hourly rate based on the clock itself. He's being paid an hourly rate based on the estimate. So, it, it, And all manufacturers have these books that say to replace, this part takes this long. Now, if the if the manual says it takes an hour, that's what they bill you. A good technician sometimes can get it done in a half hour. He still gets paid for an hour and you still pay for an hour. Right. That okay. that that's the way it well, always worked in the body shop. I used to be able to work 40 hours in the body shop and get paid for 55 to 60 most weeks. I mean, if you were really good and and you could Now the downside to that was if I rushed a job and I made a mistake and it came back, I didn't get paid the second time.
2: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, but you know, one thing that I did discover, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but they did steal something from my truck and they went through my truck. And oh. that is the bottom line of you don't do that. I mean, it was just like sucks. a bag of candy. It's not that big of a deal, but that's
1: not right.
0: No, it, that, that to me is a bigger deal than anything. I don't care what it was that they I'm- stole. The fact that they took anything out of my truck, would re- that would bother me. The rest of this stuff, yeah, it may be wrong. It may be right. We don't know for sure, but that's pretty clear. If somebody's gone through your truck and something's missing, that would, hmm. it, it, you know, you might, it, it can't hurt to call them. Be as nice as possible. Nobody likes to be screamed at or called names or anything and say, hey, look, um, I, I appreciate the work you guys did. I got out of there. Um, I, I really, it seems like a really big bill and wanna make sure you're aware somebody went through my truck, they stole a bag of candy, it's not that big of a deal but that really bothers me. And just see if, they, if they're if they cooperative yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, I'll
2: see, I'll have to give them a call. I mean, I'm worried that something else is gone, I just haven't discovered it yet. I mean, I brought all my, my electronics with me to the hotel so, I know that nothing valuable is missing, but I don't know. Yeah. It could have been something it, else. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, this is frustrating. It's really tough to protect yourself against this when you've got to use a shop on the road.
2: Yeah, I wish there was, like, more. I wish there was just something out there that would help us protect us, but there's really not. I mean, in the, if you don't pay the bill, we'll just take your truck.
0: Yeah, well, and there's no doubt. They, there's they hold a lot of power here because you're right. They, they can hold your truck captive um what we need is just you know good ethical people and you know we wouldn't have to deal with all this crap
1: well someone suggested
2: um i don't know what you would think about this but for like for me to have my own written up contract that protects me from stuff like this and have them sign it before my truck gets in the shop and so i just don't see any mechanic doing that
0: well even if they did let's hold on a second let's say you have this contract and you go pay an attorney $500 to make it ironclad or or whatever. And the the mechanic actually signs it. The service manager signs it. The owner of the place signs it. And then they still do this. Just because they signed a document doesn't mean they're not going to do all the same things. Let's say that you got everybody there to sign a document and then this still occurred. How do you fix it? You still have to go to court. It's the only way to solve these things. If they ju- they right. can if sign everything court, mean- they want, still do everything they just did, and if you refuse to pay, still hold your truck captive. Signing that document wouldn't change anything.
2: Uh, and yeah, and that, that is true. I mean, then, you know, if you want to take them, I mean, I guess you could charge them for all the days that you're losing when you're sitting in court, but... Well, then you have to get attorneys involved and then it's really not worth it.
0: Well, you you don't know that you can charge them for all those days. You have to be able to win the case and the judge would have to decide to to pay all that extra money, too. None of that stuff is guaranteed. It all comes down to a judge trying to decide. And unfortunately, when you go in front of judges, they're judges. They don't know anything about trucks. But yet they have to decide who's right here. And the shop will bring two attorneys and three technicians if they want to. And they'll sit there and make you look like an idiot in court.
2: Yeah, and they're local too, so they have that advantage over someone that's out of state.
0: the, The last thing we ever want to do is have to take something like this to court.
2: Yeah, well, it's an unfortunate circumstance. I mean, it was nice for them to fix me on a Saturday. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, especially... You know it was minus i don't know it was minus 20 degrees it was wind chill minus 50 so i mean most places I, were closed i
0: i would i would probably be pretty happy they worked on it on a weekend in crazy cold weather and i would just move on
2: yeah okay well i appreciate the help um thank you for helping me out with that it makes me feel a little bit better
0: you're welcome i wish i had better news but uh i've dealt with this for decades and um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do to make these situations better. Let's, uh, let's go back to Wisconsin. I've got Brad here, and I believe I've got uh, your business report now. Let me bring this up. All right, Brad, are you with me?
1: Yes, I can hear you.
0: All right, uh, we are looking at your year end for 2023. Uh, wow. These are pretty impressive numbers. You must be happy.
1: (laughs) Honestly, you look at that and go, how can you make much more money because you just end up paying it all in taxes?
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you make this kind of money, you you get hit pretty hard with taxes.
1: I am an S-corp, so that'll help, but it's still...
0: Yeah. Um, That's
1: only working four days a week.
0: Wow, (laughs) you're kidding me. That's crazy. No, sir. Um, good numbers. I'm just going to go over the big numbers here. On four days a week, you manage to get 119,000 miles for the year. Um, all miles in revenue is $2.74 a mile. That is outstanding for 2023 for all miles. You do a great job of managing your expenses. So your profit per mile is $1.67. You've got your cost down to just over a buck a mile. Uh, you're keeping a $1.67. Uh, it works out to uh, right around $200,000 profit for the year. Uh, those are just incredible numbers, really.
1: That's all contracts, freight and reefer in Wisconsin. And it could have been a little better, but I need tires here this week, which I bought last year, and I spent uh, $8,000 on a toolbox for uh, maintenance
0: costs, so. Excellent, yeah, good thinking to get the tires last year, that helps a little bit tax-wise, probably helps a little bit inflation-wise too, so uh, these numbers look fantastic, you know, I'm going through fuel cost, uh, maintenance cost, you've just, uh, you've got things dialed in here and it's very profitable. Thank
1: you. So. Being an S-Corp, how do, I don't quite understand the whole distribution thing.
0: So let me try to explain it. So the IRS says if you are more than a 2% owner of your business, your corporation, and you are, obviously you own more than 2% of it, um, do you own it all or do you have a spouse that might own some or a partner?
1: I'm 100%.
0: Okay. So... You are required to pay yourself as an employee for the work you do for that corporation. So we, we have to pay you a reasonable amount. Now, tax-wise, if we want the lowest tax bill we can get, we, we want to keep your payroll as low as we can keep it. The issue we have is we want to make sure the IRS doesn't come in and argue with us and tell us it's too low. And it's fairly easy for us. We can take the average company driver's wages per mile, apply it to your 119,000 miles and say, that's what I'm paying myself. The IRS could never, ever argue about that. That's safe. If you, if you want and you've got a good aggressive tax preparer, you can always try to go lower than that. Uh, and and you, know, you may have to argue with the IRS about it someday or you may not, they may never question it. But that's a safe place. Take the average company driver wage per mile, multiply it by the number of miles you drove your truck last year, and say, this is how much my corporation's paying me for the work I did. Does that make sense so far?
1: Yes, it does.
0: Once we set that wage, that's what you're going to pay all of the taxes on, the wage itself. You're gonna pay uh, Social Security, Medicare, and income tax. That's why we want that to be as low as possible so we pay the least amount of tax on the wages. Again, we just have to make sure the IRS agrees with us that it's enough. Then everything that's left over profit-wise. So, so let's do some quick math here. Let's say you do have 200,000 in profit, you do. Let's say that we take the average company driver wage um, and we're gonna pay you 60,000 as a wage. That means there's 140000 left over in profit. That's what we also call a distribution. A small S-corp has to distribute all of its profits to the owners every year. And even if you said, well, I'm not going to take the money, I'm just going to leave it in the bank, you still pay tax on it. It's assumed to be your profit, whether you leave it in the company or not. So you can leave it in the company if you want. You can take it out as personal. Either way, you're going to pay tax on it. But you're not going to pay Social Security and Medicare on those distributions of profit. You'll only pay income tax. So we save on 140000 of profit. We save $21,000 in tax. I may be a little off on that because the Social Security would stop at the limit. So maybe it's going to be more like, uh, I'm just going to guess, it's hard to do this math in my head now. Maybe 15 or 16 is what we're going to save in taxes by using the S Corp rule. Does that all make sense now?
1: Yes, it does. I was just, we obviously take distributions and we feel that, I feel guilty for taking them that we're in. We'll end up having to pay more tax at the
0: end of the year. No, you won't. Stuff like that. See, no, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The only thing you have control over that would change your tax is how much your wages are. That's the only choice you can make to change the tax number. Once you set that number, the profit will be taxed whether you take it as a distribution or not. It doesn't matter if you take it. The government says... Whether you took it or not, in our eyes, you took it and you're going to pay tax on it. Does that make sense?
1: I, I, I must have missed something because I got confused there.
0: So you have $200,000 in total profit. Well, wait a minute. Yes. Let, me, let me double check something. I didn't look at the second page. Are you, Do you have wages in here? No. Okay, good. All right. That's so I, I was correct. I'm going to start over. You have $200,000 in total profit. You, The only choice you get to make is how much of that was your wage, your payroll. You get to choose that. Once you choose it, everything left over is taxed as profit whether you distribute it or not. You can leave it in the company bank account, but you have to pay personal tax on it. Either way. Either way, whether you leave it in the bank account for the company or you take it and blow it in Vegas. It doesn't matter what you do with that money. You have to pay tax on it this year.
1: Now that makes
0: sense. A C-Corp is different. A C-Corp, you can leave money in and not have it taxed. It will eventually get taxed. The problem there is in a C-Corp, you end up paying double taxation if you're not careful. So we don't wanna be a C Corp. The S Corp allows us to avoid a lot of social security and Medicare tax, but we can't leave money in the company and say, we don't wanna pay tax on that, so we're gonna leave it there. Doesn't matter what you do with it, you're gonna pay tax on it.
1: And I won't worry about spending distributions on paying the house off early.
0: Correct, yeah, none of that's gonna matter. Paying the house off, taking the money out and paying the house off early is a good thing. You're saving yourself interest.
1: Uh, We capitalized back in COVID and it's under 3% against the house. So it helps, but we still plan on paying it off early.
0: Well, now just let me give you another strategy just based on where we are with interest rates. You can get 5% return on your money all over the place right now. Money market funds, bank accounts, I've seen some of these new banking apps where they're offering 5% on your savings. You would be better off taking the money you were going to pay towards the mortgage and put it into the savings and collect the extra 2%. Now, that is the mathematically correct way to do it to to have the most money left over. I have no problem with you saying the 2% isn't enough of an incentive. I'm just gonna keep paying down my mortgage because I don't want the debt. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, that's what I plan on doing. It is a mathematical problem, like you said, but when my house is paid for other than the taxes, it's going to be mine. So that's what I I want.
0: I'm all for that. There are some big advantages to that. Some people will tell you, oh, that's stupid. You should just take the extra 2%. That's fine. But I've seen people take that approach, then never invest the extra money that they would have made a payment with and they end up spending it. I, it. There is nothing wrong here. 2% isn't that big of a deal. We're not talking about huge numbers here. So the idea of, look, I'm just going to pay down the debt and be done with it, I, I agree with.
1: That's what I'll do. So Thank
0: All you. All right. Well, congratulations on some awesome numbers here.
1: Thank you again.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. We... Uh, We are trying to get Brent Hutto in here. I think we've got him. This looks like his number, so I'm just going to grab it. I don't know if this has been screened yet, but uh, I'm going to grab it. Um, Brent, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing? Oh, hey, this is working. Well, I've had an interesting weekend. (laughs) Interesting is always one of those strange words. What do you, what do you
3: mean by interesting?
0: Well, um, you know the weather up here is pretty mild in the wintertime, except when it's not. Um, we have been dealing yeah. with low single-digit temperatures here, which is like record-breaking for us. We, we don't see that kind of stuff. At the right. house in the gorge, uh, low single-digit right. temperatures, snow, and 60 to 80-mile-an-hour wind gusts.
3: <laughs> wow, that's like tornado quality wind, man, yeah,
0: yeah, with snow and and really, really cold, but I also have to take care of the farm, the homestead out here, we don't have the wind, yeah. we're only twenty miles away, we don't have the wind, but out here we got probably close to two feet of snow, and we've been in the single digits for about forty eight hours out here now, so. Um, power has been going on and off at both places I've got a burst pipe out here at the farm I was trying to keep everything warm and it didn't work so uh, it's been interesting running back and forth and what saved us from all of it was the coach is out in the driveway so I could just start the generator and get everything we needed out there so I'm not really complaining but it's been interesting and a lot of work and I haven't slept much in the last three days.
3: Oh my god. Sounds like that long trip you just took and not sleeping much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, same here same here in Alabama. We're we're uh we're gonna get down into the teens for a few days and uh this winter weather that's going across the nation and we'll uh we'll we'll for us in the south who are totally unprepared for that northern weather as we call it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we're uh we're uh we're we're just kind of batting down the hatches all we have to do is hear about it. But it's going it might snow and we shut everything down so. well, but it's been good stuff. I'm actually going to
0: Kansas City tomorrow, so it ought to be even colder there Oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. so um you guys in the South should shut down at times like this because we all know none of you can drive in bad weather. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> So now, very true. so as we warm up out of this starting sometime tomorrow, what we have to look forward yeah. to now is they are saying it's going to warm up right to the point where depending on where you are, you may see snow, you may see sleet, you may see freezing rain Mm-hmm. on top of that all the snow great. we just got. <laughs> so
3: yeah, uh, it
0: wow. should be interesting
3: yeah no doubt, man. well, no doubt well, that does make for i'd say it uh it'll slow trucking down for a bit, but uh it makes the demand a little higher, and hopefully uh carriers out there can get a little higher rates uh in going into the next few weeks or something,
0: which is what we're gonna be talking about today, so uh first off, welcome back. I'm excited that we're uh we're bringing back rates and lanes, and we're doing this together again. oh, my gosh, me too, pal, yeah me too.
3: It's been a long, cold winter without you, man. So uh, happy to be back on uh, with Let's Truck and happy to uh, continue to just uh, – you're in my quest on helping the carrier uh, run their business better and be more profitable. So Luke, always always, always cherish my time with you.
0: Hey, you know what? Um, we're going to talk about some rates and what's going on. And at the same time yeah, – um, you know, you just mentioned helping carriers run their business better. The last, well, yep. this year so far, we, you know, it's the year's over. We have a lot of people who use our software to track their numbers and they've got their accounting all up to date. Right. So we've been getting a lot of calls this year. People want to go over their numbers for last year. Just had one right before you came on. Okay. Um, okay. I am shocked at how good... Some of these guys did in 2023, and we know 2023 was kind of rough. Wow. You know, started off Tough, fairly yeah, strong, yeah. but but um, you know, it's been a challenging year for rates and volume and all that. We're going to talk about it. I I still mm-hmm. have single truck owner operators and small carriers breaking records for profit in 2023. Well, what's the what's the special sauce for that? What's the what's how how they doing? Here's what I will tell you. The people who are calling are are people I've known a long time. Uh, I'm not taking any credit for this, but they're doing all the things we talk about, and they've been doing it for years. So they really focused on expenses for a long time, got their expenses nice and tight, under control, not wasting any money, good fuel mileage, good maintenance cost, really watching every penny. And- um, most of them have a, a pretty strong mix of some of their own freight and good relationships with yeah. brokers. Does that sound familiar? Don't we talk about that all the time? Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> Wash, rinse, and repeat. The things you and I have been saying for a long time. I tell you, you brought up one thing I think that's super important and it's about efficiency. You know, uh, Operational efficiency in the truck, but also operational efficiency in their business. Knowing your numbers Understanding where you can make changes, understanding when you need to make changes in this. You know, this year was a correction year, Kev, and uh, it went from an incredible, you know, 28 month huge marketplace for carriers where they made more money than I hope they've ever made in their life, uh, then back to a corrected normal market, which uh, can be a big time challenge, right? Because you got to adjust to that. So, but uh, but but if, but if you because you've got a grip on your business, then. These types of things don't affect you as much. uh,
0: Really, I'm looking at um, three or four guys I've worked with this year, and you look at their numbers, and there's zero effect. They're they're having—2023 was one of their best years ever. Not quite as good as twenty twenty two for a couple of them, but it, just let me give you a couple examples. I'll give you the one we just went over first okay. off because you're familiar with these numbers. Uh, single sure. truck, uh, one driver got some of his own freight. his profit profit on one hundred and nineteen thousand miles for the year. He only works four days a week, so he's running a hard four days. If you're getting 120,000 miles for the year in four days a week, you're running a hard four days. I get that. But it's still kind of nice to have three days off every week. Profit, he was just shy of $200,000. Oh,
3: goodness. Well, uh, it shows you that there's opportunity out there. It shows you that you can do it. I'll tell you, it's uh, it's not easy. But just like, look, look, there's businesses all over America, Kevin. This is what always strikes me as kind of unique you know there's businesses in america that make an, un, an an abnormal amount of profit and they're in the same segment that are other, that thousands of other businesses are in why, why is that right well you you, you talked about one thing your the consistency at which they of, of who they operate with is usually a big part of it and you just talked about where a carrier one of the best things they can do is go find either two or three brokers or a couple of shippers that they can work with. Sometimes it's a lot harder to work with shippers because you got to do all the work that a broker does. And, um, but find those, those providers and, and you'll make a lot more, you'll, you'll make a higher rate because you're more efficient and when you're more efficient, they can, they can afford to pay you more. Rate. They can, they can afford to pay you more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I, I I've got another one we'll, we'll talk about as well, but I, I want to go back to okay. something you said. This is big okay. picture kind of stuff. You said all over the country, every industry, every business, every segment, there are always going to be a handful of companies that do significantly better. And for sure, my favorite question, all my listeners know, my favorite question is why. And I will tell you, yeah, why? Why? At at 21 years old, when I bought my first truck and I signed it on the Spartan Express, and I was running local, so there was about uh, 12 contractors there. Everybody had one truck at the time. Uh, We all did the same work, local P&D work. We all got paid about the same amount. Now, if you hustled and worked harder, you'd make a little more. But for the most part, we all had the same opportunity. And at 21, I can remember looking around every day and asking the question, why? Why does this contractor drive an old broken down truck. He's always broke. He's complaining about money. He can't get his truck out of the shop. And the guy next to him lives in a nice house, sends his two kids to college, has a nice, dependable new car. My question was always, why? What is somebody doing different that would make that possible? And I started questioning that early and it's what I still do today. Why? What can we do to make more profit on the bottom line? I mean, it's it's what I've spent my entire adult career figuring out. And it's really, um, it's rewarding now to see that this works. It's not overnight. It's not quick. It takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication. It takes some time. But uh, I'm going to give you another example. Um, Matt, uh, his, his wife is one of our call screeners. Um, Matt's been... Uh, Matt actually does a lot of work for us as well. I depend on Matt to do a lot of things for me. Um, Matt still drives full-time. One truck. Okay. His own authority. Mostly customer freight. couple brokers he's got good relationship with that can keep him full when he needs it. He runs Mom. back and forth from Minnesota to Florida. And these are run dedicated runs he's developed himself over the years. He... He's he's not driving the latest technology. He's got an O2 truck with a 99 engine in it, Um, but he gets incredible fuel economy for that older truck. He watches all of his expenses. He builds relationships. He does all the stuff we're talking about. Now, listen to these numbers. He managed, as a single driver, managed to get like 160,000 miles in for the year. That's a lot of miles. Wow. That's working a hard. A lot more than normal, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. But profit, after all expenses, $274,000. Oh. oh, wow. He's not running cheap freight, as they say. No, he's not. He's really maximizing his business. Yes. Yeah. But that... that I, I love seeing that in what what for a lot of people was a down year. One of the most reported things I've seen all year is about bankruptcies, layoffs, and um, you know people giving up authority. Those have been the stories all for year sure. long, and yet it's still possible sure. to put yeah. out these kind of numbers.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, and I'll tell you one of the things that when you when you talk about knowing your numbers and something that I've always appreciated about you saying this is that. When you know your numbers, you're also paying attention to other numbers because knowing your numbers is not just knowing what your fuel mileage is and knowing what you pay for fuel and knowing what your cost is for insurance and your tire costs and nothing. It's knowing how the market is changing. And so when you know how the market is changing, you're in control of your destiny. In other words, you're in control of your business. You can say, okay, I know the market is beginning to shift back down. How do I need to modulate or change what i'm doing to adjust to it or where do i need to look for those pockets of better better paying freight or do i need to swap the type of, of freight that i'm hauling right now because that freight's not going to pay well over the next three months or six months And it's those little adjustments it's kind of like it's kind of like a football coach who might be getting beat on defense in the first half they, make it, they go into the halftime. They go into the locker room at halftime. They make adjustments. They come out. They win the game because they made adjustments. And So I just I, think about you knowing numbers. Knowing the numbers is so much bigger than just knowing the basic things of operating
0: the truck. Let me, let me continue your football analogy there. <laughs> okay. So you're right. The coach has to go in at halftime, and he has to make adjustments. That's his job. We, let's right. say that he spent the entire first half Just watching the game, not really taking down any notes or stats or anything, doesn't really know why they're losing. Uh, He just knows they're losing. Uh, Is he going to be able to make the right changes? Or is he just going to be making random changes and hoping for the best? Now, what if he spent the whole first half, him and his entire team of people, tracking every stat while we, we didn't make you know, hardly any yards rushing and our, our passing game was a little off short or uh, now, you know what you should be changing, right? Right. Right. That's the same thing as watching our profit and loss in our business report. The
3: we, same thing. Yeah, we know same
0: thing. what same. to change yeah. because we're yeah. tracking results. Right.
3: For sure. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the reason why, you know, you, you, you want to look at the numbers in the marketplace that you're, you're participating in. You want to look at them all the time. This is why good, good leaders, good business leaders, or are, uh, are wise business leaders, I won't say good, I'll say wise business leaders, are always looking at the numbers. What's coming at me? What's coming at me? What's coming at me? Because if I can adjust to that, then it's a whole lot better. I mean, when you're flying an airplane, you, know, you want to know where the winds are coming from. You know, yeah, super important. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what's coming at you all the time, or or you, it, it can create you create a hardship on your business. And if you're not prepared for a hardship, it can ruin your business. And that's where you know nobody wants that. I mean, we want to we you and I want to help every carrier in America, especially those small ones, thrive in their business and get to do what they love to do, which is to drive a truck and, and independently own a business.
0: I agree. And uh, that's why I'm happy yeah. we're, we're back together and we're, we're going to be talking Amen. about this every week again. You know, it, looking at both of these operations that I that I just gave numbers for, um, knowing right. their operation and what they do and how long they've been doing it, the relationships they have, some direct rates and brokers, I, I could probably make the statement. Uh, On the surface, it doesn't look like these guys would even need a load board account. They may not get a single load off a load board. They they may have their freight tied down nice and tight that they don't need a load board to get loads. But what I would tell them is you should have a load board, if nothing else, just for the data. Because what you talked about, keeping an eye on things, things are going to shift. They're going to change. You may lose an account somewhere. Happens all the time in times like this. Um, You know that everybody's facing inflation and tough times. So even shippers Uh might bail on their good carriers and take a cheaper rate if if they need to. And you may have to adjust and you may have to go chase down some other freight. Um, Having a load board would give you the opportunity to do that quickly if you needed a load. But more importantly... One of the things we talk about the importance of the load board is the data being able to go in and know what's going on with rates mm-hmm. and volumes and mm-hmm. in, in all the different lanes.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, when you can, Kevin, here's the thing about looking at the data that uh, you know a, a network like Truckstop puts out is that it's an entire marketplace of data. So it's not just a couple of lanes and a couple of you know businesses out there. It's hundreds of thousands, and when you can look at data that reflects an entire marketplace and you, as an owner of your business, you're looking at, okay, well, I've been working with this broker for a while. We're in this, we're in this lane. They may have to come back to you. If you're working with a broker, they may, they may come back to you and say, Hey, I need, I need five cents less a mile for these next five loads or something. But you you could go in to truck stop and look at the, the actual lane in and go wait a minute well that's that's not true. it's actually paying a little more than that right now and I'm not saying people are being deceitful I'm just saying that there's always a negotiation in the process and and he or she who has the numbers has access to the numbers wins in the negotiation because they have all the power because the data is the power so when you can go in and look at that you can look at rates. you can look at lane densities or how much freight is in the lane you can look at market conditions you can look at how things have changed over the last six months in other words what can I expect so there's a tremendous amount of marketplace data that you can use to run your business. You can even push that back to the broker and say, hey, there's opportunity here. Do you have more opportunity in this area of the country? Because I see that there's more freight in this, in this geographic area or this state or this lane that I'm in. Is there more opportunity for me here? So there's all kinds of things that the data can, can be a massive, massive benefit. And, and when, you can, when, you, when you consider that you can have access to it for about 40 or 50 bucks a month just on the basic end, then you know that's that's great and then on the holistic end i think it's 150 a month it's just not a it's not a whole lot against your profit your bottom line profit to have access to an entire marketplace and if, if it was limited i could understand but it's not it's a it's an entire look at a marketplace
0: it, exactly so uh, i'm i'm glad again we're doing this you know i it, it would be interesting if we could go back and find the last show you and i did um and compare the numbers to what we're going to talk about today. Try to think back when freight was just going crazy, and the one number you would, would come on and tell us every Monday was total number of daily loads. Where did we peak on that? Yeah, correct. All right, well, let
3: me, let, me, let me go back. Let me look real quick, because I can tell you kind of, i give you an estimate on what it was where, when you and I were on previously. I'll give you a, real, give you a quick estimate. Stand by. Let me pull that up. So I'm going to look at um, uh, about April of 2022. Is that correct? Would you say that is that right? I think so.
0: Does that sound right.
3: Okay. Well, in in April of 2022, the high the high point that day was almost was
0: 1.2 million loads. That that's those are the kind of numbers I remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: One one point two million loads in a 24 hour period on a Tuesday. On Tuesday. Uh, April fourth, uh, there were one point, approximately one point two million loads. And you fast forward to today and we're 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 somewhere in the uh mid four hundreds. We're four seventy, you know, right now. Well here's the thing. but but here's the thing that it's important to know is that the one point two million, not a historical normal. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it a lot right. more than normal. It's a lot, lot more than normal. So you wonder why rates were so high? Well it's because you had one point two million loads and you still have this, basically the same number of trucks that run in the marketplace well today we have we have more trucks in the marketplace because more more truckers came into the the four hire marketplace into the, into the spot market and you've got a, you've got a normal amount of loads that are in the market not a not a, not, not a low, not a low number but a normal amount so when you've got the normal amount of trucks and the normal amount of freight in the marketplace—it's going to come back down to normal, you know. So hey. we're looking at these rates, and the rates are about normal from a standpoint of cost over time, if you average them out. The problem is inflation's high, fuel's high, so it's a That's what creates the challenge. But but just in general, yeah, one point two million loads—boy, wouldn't we all like to have that all the time, you know? But yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, so but so so that's just kind of the reality of things when you work in a supply and demand marketplace, and that's what we all work in. This is a trillion plus dollar industry. So there's lots of money to be made. You just got to figure out where to make it.
0: There so you go. It's, hey,
3: a big, it's a big industry. Supply, tr- trillion dollar marketplaces are, are, are always supply and demand.
0: Yes, yes. So I, I'm, am I remembering this correctly? You said today we're at 470. Wasn't there a time where yeah. three to 400000 was more normal? Yeah, 400000 is around the historic normal. Uh, when we look at this,
3: um, and that, and, and that takes into consideration unique loads and and loads that shippers give to more than one brokerage company because that happens yeah. in any marketplace. Uh, a, a shipper will give their freight to more than one transportation provider. So, um, but yeah, the historic normal is around 400k, and um, and so we're still above normal. And and by the way, you know, we we put we put algorithms into our technology at Truckstop that takes out a lot of the um, the noise out there, sort of loads that that are are not unique and not duplicate. They're kind of uh, postings that are outside the norm. You know, in other words, that they might be a load that somebody that uh, that's just taking the noise out of the system. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. So uh, so it's still a very
0: healthy market from a standpoint of free. So. If that's the case, we've got good, healthy volume numbers. There, there's still a good number of loads yeah. out there. We do have too many trucks chasing them. But, and I, I think that's a, a part of why these people that built relationships and have some dedicated freight are still doing really well. I, I don't see shippers I trying think, though, yeah. to take advantage of this. I see the shippers being fairly loyal this time to their good carriers. Without a
3: doubt, Kevin, I just got off the phone. I just
0: did a podcast,
3: our Freight Nation podcast, with Rob Haddock, who was the Senior Director of Transportation Planning for Coca-Cola. Really, very, very large, you know, <laughs> all yeah. in the United States and the world. And uh, he talked about m- the most important thing for the shipper is the consistency and on-time delivery. He goes, you know, he goes, my my goal as a, as a, as a uh, as a shipper out there was to make sure that the goods got there on time because if they didn't get there on time they couldn't be well for Coca-Cola they couldn't be consumed sold and consumed he goes but for every shipper it's you know they can't be purchased by the consumer he goes so so marginalizing rate is not the most is not the most is not the priority to the shipper it's making sure the goods are delivered on time and if you've got a consistent trusted carrier whether it be a one truck guy a five truck guy a 100 truck guy they're going to be more likely to give you more, uh, and this is even on the brokerage side, too, because they deal with all kinds of different freight, not just spot market freight. They deal with contract freight, too. They're more likely to give you a better rate when you can provide the consistency for them. And consistency comes around. You've got everybody knowing each other and hauling freight before for them. So, yeah, you're, you're right on the money. With it.
0: So we've talked about volumes and number of loads, and we've, we've um, started to touch on rates here. Give us some idea. Where are we yeah. rate-wise right now?
3: Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, uh, we are at around, uh, the entire spot market's about $2.30. That was, wasn't this week, it was two two weeks ago. Well, it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago. So it was coming right out of the holiday break. So in the holiday break, rates go way up. They'll go up 10, 20 cents a mile in different segments. And then they start to come back down because truckers take off time um, in the holidays and uh, load, load costs just going, the load, load volume's Excuse me the rates just go up but presently right now in van uh, we're down one cent from the previous week it's about two dollars and 13 cents flatbed is two dollars and 20 cents 27 cents uh refrigerated which went way up during the pandemic like 60 70 cents a mile is at 264 and i don't know what they are right now this week because today's a holiday today's martin luther king jr memorial holiday and so um our data won't be i won't have it until tomorrow morning but uh, but what, what's also interesting in this is that, that the, the one of the things that cuts into profitability is fuel. Fuel has continued to go down. It's dropped 13 cents in the last 15 weeks, which has been good. It's still above where uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, still 10 cents above that. But it has dropped and continues to drop. Uh, and OPEC even said, hey, they're going to continue to cut the cost of, uh, of their oil that the, the we import. So it's
0: likely to continue to go back down. But, yeah, that's kind of where we are on rates. So – You know, in my mind, historically, those still are good rates. Those are historically strong rates until you compare them to today's cost. I mean, today's costs are really high in a lot of ways. So, but those still are good, strong numbers. We've seen far worse rates than that over time. Interestingly enough, the two examples I just gave, um, now, I want to, Make sure people understand what we're talking about. When you say that rate is uh we we're right e- reefer was one of the highest in the two sixty range, the others two twenty, two thirty, down in that yeah. those numbers. We are talking about loaded miles. That's a rate on a with load. Fuel, yeah,
3: with with fuel, low everything. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Now and that's and,
0: and, yeah, that's
3: that's the carrier rate. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: When I give the the number And I'm reading somebody's business report. And for example, uh, you know, I mentioned Matt. Matt's per mile rate on his business report is 276 a mile. Now, that's fantastic. And we have to remember that that is on all miles the wheels turned on that truck. That's how we do it in our software. We don't track loaded and empty. And we, we track all miles all the time. So wow. you know, no matter how good your load planning is, you've got empty miles. You've got miles going back and forth to the shop. You've got, you know, miles between loads. So not only is it a strong rate, um, obviously, he's got, you know, deadhead miles down to a minimum. The other business report I talked about, he was a reefer. He's at 274 miles. Well, so is Matt. Okay. Um, 274 all miles. Those are really strong rates. Now, I, I've got mm-hmm. another caller on, and uh, if you have time, we may go to him and go over his numbers together. His all-in rate, I've got to figure out what he's hauling, his all-in rate is 328 a mile. My goodness. Yeah, I'd love to hear his story. Now, the interesting yeah. thing is he's got a lot of expenses. His, his profit isn't okay. nearly... Um, as, as as impressive as the other two, still good money. But I, when we right. talk to him, I, we got to figure out why his expenses are so high. Um, so one other thing I want to talk about: rates and volumes and okay. what's going on. And, and then if you've got time, we'll take that call together. What? Um, you attend all kinds of events in person you're constantly on conference calls and zoom meetings and you touch right. almost every part of the industry you you and i have a big focus on small carriers obviously but um of your course. job yeah. mm-hmm. uh puts you in touch with Carriers, big carriers, small carriers, brokers, big carriers, small brokers, or big brokers, small brokers, yep. shippers. Even I know you go to shipping conferences. Oh yeah, um, I do. Mm-hmm. You've kind of got your hand on every part of the supply chain. I mean, those are the people you deal with every day. What? Um, yes. What are you hearing about what's going on in the Red Sea? Oh goodness. <laughs> Well, that, that, uh, a lot is what I'm hearing,
3: hearing it's, uh, it's it's gotten to the point where, okay, so container rates, just like, just like truckload, full truckload rates came all the way back down to normal. I mean, you heard during the pandemic that to get a, to get a spot, you know, market container from China to America was $20,000 in right. the high end. And so that's just like, that's just like, well, you know. I'll move that for seven dollars a mile. You know, right. so the same sort of thing inside of inside of inside a full truckload. So, uh, so but container freight came all the way down to normal too. It came back down to between twelve and thirteen hundred dollars for a, a container freight to move from from China to the United States. And by the way, there's spot market in in the container more for the, the, the maritime industry as well, just like there is in full truckload. And there's not all freight on a ship is you know $20,000 a container during the pandemic a lot of it was the normal rates that they were negotiated at so but you know supply and demand and that that changes things and so uh, what I what have seen what have seen so far is there's, there's, there's two things going on number one the issues with the, the, the terrorism that's going on there in the red sea is is causing shipping to go another direction in other words it's coming around africa instead of through africa uh, the 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 uh, uh, eastern side of Africa. So the, the challenge with that is that there's a time element aspect to it, and then there's just a, a this isn't this is an out of norm element to it. And so what it's done is it has now doubled the container rate. So it's doubled from the 12, 1300 and it's doubled it to make it 2600, 2700 dollars, 2800 dollars for containers. So that the prices have gone up and they're likely to continue to go up as long as that's not ceased. going on there now there's a lot going on obviously you've got the United States and a lot of different groups out there that are banded together militarily and are putting quite a bit of squeeze on the rebels I call them terrorists that are doing what they're doing because they're just trying to cause chaos is all they're trying to do and try to hurt people from a standpoint of financially and so, so that, that's what's going on in the Red Sea. And, and it'll, it has not yet, but eventually will, if it continues, affects rate, rates in the United States. And why is that? And it's because the United States is the largest consumer of goods in the world. In other words, we buy more than anybody else, and so we're going to continue to do that. And so eventually our rates will go up if this continues. Right now it hasn't touched it much but it will. And I read a great report out there from my good friends at uh, Bank of America. They had nice uh, comments on it. and I know that uh, also Stiefel Research, who does a tremendous amount of transportation research, was talking about what's going on in the Red Sea. And, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a conundrum. It's unfortunate. It's wrong what, what's, what's going on there. And I'm just glad that, that the United States, as a military power, has something to do with it. And, and the reason we, we do is, number one, it's the right thing to do. And number two, Kevin, the world is flat, flat, F-L-A-T when it comes to freight, because everything is connected. Uh, the, right. All this freight is, is, is connected together, and so it's unavoidable that, that we have to, to protect supply chains. We have to protect globally the markets in which those things move in or the lanes in which those move in. And obviously on the ocean, it's water. You know? So that's what's going on in the Red Sea. It's a big deal, dude, big deal and, and, and stuff that, we're, that obviously our, our federal government and our
0: military is highly, highly engaged in. Uh, great reporting on that by the way are you familiar with peter zhan <laughs> with who peter zhan peter's I n uh, i don't think so Zeehan is the last name starts with the letter z zulu oh, oh no uh i don't No, uh, it doesn't sound familiar so i've got something very interesting that you should either read or listen to yeah love to yeah Peter Zeihan wrote a book called The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Oh, well, now I've heard that title before. I, yeah, it's a compelling title. <laughs> I, I may have mentioned it to you at some point, but we may not have gotten right. deep into sure. it. So I read the book. I can tell you this about Peter Zeihan: H- Him and I would probably not agree on anything politically. He's okay. way on the other side of most things, but... He wrote a really compelling book. He has a lot of data in there that makes sense what he's saying. But mm-hmm. what he's saying mm-hmm. was so outrageous that your first thought is, oh, hell no, that's not going to happen. But by the end of the book, right. he had me convinced it was going to happen. He he made <laughs> such a compelling <laughs> argument for this. And right. I, I, right. I was I was... It was all I could talk about for a week after I read the book because it was. So here's his premise. And I I just wrote this read this book last year. His premise was the only reason we've been able to build this incredibly complicated global supply chain where. We take a raw material from Africa and we send it to China to be processed, and then we take that part and we send it somewhere else in the world to get another piece added to it, and then it finally ends up back in the United States where we sell it. And that's just one example of you know, how crazy complicated this global supply chain has become. He said the only right. reason we were able to create that was because during World War II, the United States built such an incredibly powerful navy that we virtually guaranteed the safety of all shipments around the world. And and we've been that's doing sure. that, yeah. you know, for 70 plus years, 80, 90 years, whatever it's been now since World War II, yep. I guess about 80 some years. And that's why we've been able to create this but his claim was that can't last." And his, his, his oh, initial wow, argument wow, wow, that. Well, his initial argument was and when you first hear this, you go, "Well, that's stupid. He says we don't have enough people. We're not producing oh. babies. We, we don't have enough human labor to keep this global supply chain running. Well, there's an absolute fact in that. I mean, you've got most of the developed nations.
3: Uh, you've got to produce 2.1 or 2.2 children per right. couple in order to sustain an economy. And most all developed nations are under two, including the United States, yes. with the caveat in the United States that we have immigration, and it's got us it at like 2.6 or 2.7. And so uh, we've, we've been able to stay above the watermark because of that. But yeah, most of the developed nations, and that's including England and France and Everyone else that are citizens of that country, not just the, Im- the immigrants in that country, are producing far less, even almost, almost down to one. Right. And uh, so this, it almost wrecked China. You know, China, has the one-child policy, no, that's no longer a
0: thing. They, they have realized that
3: we need people.
0: It, you know, and, so, and if China uh, needs people, that's telling us something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> right. So, yeah, I, that, that, I'm not surprised by that at all, because here's the thing. I
3: learned this from a guy named Ken Gronbach who I think you would really enjoy. He's a demographer, and uh, he just talks, he just looks at the numbers of births of people and ages of people and how that affects an economy. And so we are in the United States going to be faced with some of that because we're not having enough kids. Now, Brent Hutto, now I've had, I got six kids, so I'm way above the average. I'm trying to keep us up there, okay?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I only have two, but I have a lot of friends <laughs> like you. Aaron has a lot of kids. You have a lot of kids. So I, if, by proxy, I'm, I'm OK, I guess.
3: Yeah, right, right, right. I got it. I was just kidding. Though. I just, it, it's, it, it is part of it. Uh, it. Math matters when it comes to economies and, and people are economies. Yeah. yeah so um, so hey, you're right. That's a big, that's a fascinating book, I'm sure.
0: Well, it's even more fascinating because of what's going on in the world right now.
3: For it's sure. happening. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, this is what yeah, he said yeah. would happen, that pirates would start taking over ships again, and it would not become economically feasible to ship things around the world the way we do. Right. Well, we'll I don't know
3: how close we would be to that. That's certainly something to consider, and, uh, and we'll see how, see how the, the, the developed powers react to that. So that would, that's, but that's a very, very interesting principle. If you can't control—it's the same reason why when, when the United States was not developed as a country— one of the things, and most people don't know this, and this is the reason why there's such the activity around our borders, is because our Founding Fathers knew well how important it was to be a sovereign nation that controlled its land. Yes. Because if you can't, and by the way, water is just another, you know, it's another type of land. It's a, I, that's a dumb statement. I realize that, but <laughs> it, it, it can be controlled. Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely it can be controlled. And if you don't control it, the pirates take over it. It's the same thing in, in any country. You have to make sure you have sovereign control of your country. And I'm not saying we don't need to let people in. I'm, I'm, I'm super. We're all immigrants. you know. But the point being is that you've got to have sovereign control over it or it gets taken over by the pirates.
0: Yes. So you have such a great perspective on this. I'd love to get you to read the book so I could get your take on it.
3: Well, I, I'll, just, uh, send me, I'll, I'll follow up with you on the title. I'm, I'm going to read it. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. So it uh, be fantastic. All
3: right. uh, So we uh, so I've got uh, how about 15 you... minutes left because, uh, yeah, we got, can we do this in 15 minutes?
0: I was just going to ask you if you had enough time. Uh, we're going to grab a call and take it together. We can do that, and you just drop off when you need to.
3: Okay, fantastic. Man, that's, this is awesome. Looking forward to, to a call. All
0: right. Let's go to New York. We're going to continue talking about numbers. Harold, welcome.
4: Greetings, gentlemen. Seventeen degrees over here in Buffalo.
0: I, you're so, warmer uh, than yeah, we well, are. So what you've got? Yeah. <laughs> <And pull> I <it, laughs> well, was I'm pulling for your bill
3: today,
1: Yeah.
4: Yep. Well, I'm a father of five in my 49th year of trucking here, and uh, oh, the numbers oh. you're looking at there hmm. is is uh, private individual car shipping.
3: Ah. Totally different
4: it... than a lot in the industry, okay. but yeah. But, uh, I but I, know I that did your. Well, I did your uh, type of stuff in the beginning in 1975, but I lucked out and I hooked up with some produce brokers. And as a young man, I was able to haul direct for those guys in the beginning. And then I would, it was back when everyone had to have their own authority. So I would take whatever, I had no authority. I would take whatever I could to get back to California after getting a decent load of produce East. So I struggled for a couple of years on that one.
0: So, um, You've got I knew you had to have some kind of weird operation because your numbers are not the norm from top to bottom. They're just unusual. Uh, So I knew there had to be an explanation. Let
4: let me say two things about that. In the office, I've got my wife paying my wife forty eight thousand dollars a year out of that. My daughter gets three percent of the gross because she helps me with my dispatching on it. And my wages are in there as well. I, we became a C corp in in '94, so take all those numbers out, and it looks a whole, I mean, it, and put that in there, it, it changes the picture of it. What your overall look is of it, I think.
0: Oh, it 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 definitely does. I had to dig through some of those numbers, and it, your wage absolutely. We put that right back in. Um, I was going to ask about the dispatch and office costs, because I thought that was unusual, but that makes total sense now that you're doing it that way. Um, So that really improves the numbers. I mean, your numbers are good anyway. I mean, they're really good, but there were some things in there I wasn't quite understanding why some of the expenses were so high. Your fuel costs now totally make sense to me as a car hauler. Um, Your... Um, yeah, I've
4: got, I've got the, the electric APU on here, So I, and it also runs my hydraulics. I had Tom over there in Illinois put that on a year ago, and this is my third generation electric on this truck. I started in 07 when we had, we had seven trucks, and we put electric air conditioners on them, and also we ran the hydraulics, so we didn't have to idle very much at all.
0: Got it. You have got really, really high fixed costs. So your equipment is expensive. Um, your insurance is expensive. Those are all fixed cost. So just so people realize how different operations can be, you have to make 80 cents a mile profit just to break even, just on your fixed cost alone. Yeah. You have to generate a hundred and five thousand dollars a year to break even.
4: Correct. Yeah, I, I took my wages out and my wife's wages, and it was like two dollars and sixteen cents a mile with all costs in there other yeah. than our wages, I believe.
0: Yeah, which
4: something like that. It was, it, it was close to that. That so sounds that, about that, right. I was doing was some tired. math
0: in my head. That sounds about what it would be. Which sounds outrageous, but you're making three twenty-eight a mile, all miles, and like you said, a lot of what looks like expenses really aren't because it's going to your wife and, and you know, some going to your daughter. So um, really unusual numbers, but really good, strong numbers. How, how much did yours change from 2022
4: to 2023? Uh, you know, I'd have to look back on, on that to see. But I in, in this truck, I had to, I ran into the boulder in the flash flood down there and had to replace the engine at the end of 22.
0: Ah, so that okay. cost
4: me like 78000 $78, dollars, but I only have one more year of payments on the truck. This uh, California made me buy this. I had a perfectly good 07 truck that I would have kept driving until I couldn't do it anymore. But this one cost me three fifty uh, with, you know, with the new truck and trailer and the head rack and all that
0: stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and that's why your fixed costs are so high. Um, this is one of those where it, it, you really have to know how to read your report and what to dig into. And, but once you figure it out, these are, again, three examples today of people having a great year in 2023.
4: The last year was on track to be better until I hit the boulder.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: That was yeah. A, that was one of my that was one of the worst days in 49 years of trucking.
0: Well, you I, you have to hey, have Harold, one, right? I, gotta, I mean, you, you got to have one of those bad days.
3: <laughs> I guess. It was pretty hey, bad. Can, can I can I ask Harold a question? Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Harold, hey, this is Brent Hutto from Truck Stop, man. Thanks for thanks for being on today and thanks for being willing to talk about your business and uh, thanks for being a father of five, you know, so (laughs) I I appreciate that. And uh, by the way, I hope Buffalo Buffalo wins today. So, uh, (laughs) but uh, yeah, man, I got a question for you about your hitting the boulder because a lot of times, you know, (laughs) accidents or, you know, large mechanical failures will put people out of business. Uh, will put truckers out of business. Uh, what, What did you do to get through that or how had you prepared to your business when you had this obviously issue that you didn't cause you know how did, you, how, did you, how did you navigate through it
4: well we had we had, had seven car carriers uh, three or four years before that and i was selling them off one at a time as my drivers either passed away or retired so i had an ex, uh, had about 125 pay our taxes which was 15,000 at that time uh, the engine cost me 78000 plus all our living expenses. So I, I, it was one of the only times in my life I ever had that much money, and but it went away quickly. So <laughs> that's how we did it. I ended up putting a little bit of it on the credit card, but I was able to pay most of it cash.
0: There you go. That's okay. nice. So That's good to
3: hear. Good to hear you. So you had it in, in pocket to get through it? More most or less.
4: of it. Most of it, yeah. But, I mean, we were recovering in 07, 08. I had bought seven brand new car carriers, and that was uh, the housing crunch. We ended up losing 600000 bucks in about two years, and I, like Kevin, could not bring myself to file bankruptcy. I figured I got into debt, so I stuck through it. We're almost to get that paid off now.
0: Right. So okay. I
4: better get it paid off quick because I'm running out of time. I'm at the end of the runway here. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. All right. your numbers are looking good. Keep it up.
4: Well, I always have appreciated what you've done for us, and Brent, I've always enjoyed your talks with him. I'm glad that glad that you're back on there. It's always good information, even though I'm in a totally different industry than you represent.
3: Yeah. Well, we've 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 talked to the guys at uh, the car hauling groups and stuff and uh maybe look for something in the future with us working more closely with that part of the marketplace because obviously you're vital to the to the to america but uh it is a very unique marketplace so yeah but so thanks for what you do out there man
0: my
4: pleasure thank you guys
0: all right thanks for the call all right brent we're uh we're gonna wrap this up i had another oh i know what i was gonna ask you okay i know you've been pretty busy lately i don't know if you have a thought on this or not uh Okay. We could switch to politics here real quick in the last minute or two. Any predictions on <laughs> Iowa today?
3: Oh goodness. Uh you know <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that's a two horse race right now, is it not? I mean, uh it's just it's just our, our, our president and uh and well that's not two horse race. There there's a few more people in it, but I don't know, it, it's, uh, it, it's going to be, here's the thing, with, with the, it's hard to beat a president, be, um, I've never seen this in my history, a person that was president that wasn't president that's going to run for president again, so first time in my life, I think when you consider just the, the popularity, it's going to be hard to beat him, just in general period, and the, the caucuses are great and all the things like that, but it's just going to be tough for them, to, because he, he has such a groundswell, and here's the thing, when, when, you're, when you're dealing with somebody like our our previous president trump he has enough money to do the things he wants to do individually so he's not necessarily beholden to a bunch of other people that are influential in him being able to do what he wants to do so where everybody else is so you know good luck beating that horse good luck i I agree
0: (laughs) i'm pretty sure he should win pretty handily in iowa today but there there's an upset that i'm looking for today um, that the media just doesn't even want to seem to talk about. And and maybe I'm wrong on this one. We'll see. What's
3: that? What's that?
0: Um I I think that Vivek Ramaswamy may put in a better showing than what they're predicting.
3: Oh, that would be interesting. I tell you what, I like his passion. I like the fact that he's he's he just says what you know he's, he's feeling about in this and I think a lot just a lot of the population kind of feels the same way in some things he says. So I think that could that could definitely be an outcome that would be Interesting to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I I I am shocked that uh, Nikki Haley's showing up as strong as she is. That that one just makes no sense to me whatsoever.
3: Well, it it is unique. I think that you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, you know, the media doesn't doesn't uh isn't always accurate with everything. And I know Nikki Haley's you know she's she's a good citizen, that sort of thing. I think it'll be interesting. You know, it, you know, we'll know a lot more, you know, it, when the rubber hits, meets the road, just, just like in trucking, you know, in voting, we'll see, we'll see what happens.
0: You know, I, I, we know how bad the media has become. We're not even speculating anymore. Mm-hmm. We know the kind of stuff mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. done. Cover up important stories, sure. you know, report heavily on things that don't matter and, and just skip things that do. I saw an example of this last night. They were talking about, you know, the, the, the Republican candidates and how hard they've been working. But they highlighted how many more events Ron DeSantis has done than Trump. Well, well Trump's got lawsuits to deal with and all kinds of crazy stuff. So that all made <laughs> sense. But what what most people probably didn't realize was if you're going to talk about that, who's doing the most events is, which is what they were talking about. They completely ignored Vivek Ramaswamy. When, if you look at his number of events, he has done more events in Iowa than Trump, Haley and DeSantis combined, but they didn't even mention it. They said DeSantis did all these and, and Trump wasn't able to. Well, that's really irresponsible reporting. Uh, well, yeah, you know that, that maybe they're trying to—you never know—they're
3: trying to make a point about something. It's always interesting to me how a lot of times people talk about they're reporting the news, but it's really just their opinion. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not fact-based news. It's just—it's just we want to talk about this, so we're going. You know, we're, we're all human beings. Reporters are human beings, just like everybody else. They've got opinions, and they want their opinion uh, to be told because they want to understand. They—they they want to believe they're right. You know, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I mean, yeah. rarely is it exactly right.
0: It it feels like an agenda is what it feels like, but we'll see. Um, I yeah, sure. The and the other thing about Ramaswamy you said Trump's got enough money he can do kind of whatever he wants. So so does Vivek. Uh, oh, I know
3: he does. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: he's funding just about everything on his own, um, and and he's working yeah. hard. He's a really interesting guy. I mean, he's kind of an unknown. Um, I've read his book. I've I've read as much as I can about him. I. I I really, really like his policies a lot. He's obviously very successful in business, he's young. He's just kind of that that weird, like unknown, what's really going to happen with this guy and is there some secret out there that, you know, we should know about him but don't yet? I I, I don't know. If if nothing else, he's going to make it a very interesting race and I think today we'll see. I, I'm hoping that he does much better today than what the polls are showing.
3: Well, it'll be interesting across the board, Kev, just in in seeing, look, look. people hated Donald Trump when he came on the scene, too. They were like, oh, my gosh, there's no way this guy could ever be president. Right. And Lo and behold, he was president. So, you know, that's the great thing about freedom. It's the great thing about democracy and independence. And, you know, the great thing about being able to speak your mind in the United States is that that, you know we have, we have that first amendment, right. You know, that people you speak your mind and um, we'll see where, what comes out of it. Uh, so it's very interesting. And look, I, I, I listened to the debate too. And once to I learned how to pronounce his name, you know, that was super awesome. Yeah, And, uh, <laughs> and a, it's got a, a very cool name. And um, so um, we'll see where it goes. He, he's not an uninformed guy. I mean, he didn't have it all Isn't that everything right. Perfect. No, none of us do. But he's a very informed person. And and every citizen in America should be as informed as someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, because he, he, he's, he's speaking from a point of understanding.
0: And so we ought to all have that. Uh, very good point. All right. I know you've got to get on with your day. I've got to Come get on, on with my day. I We're going to wrap this up. Uh, this is going to be a regular Monday thing, right?
3: I'm ready, baby. Every Monday, on with Big Kev, KR. I'm loving it.
0: Uh, all K-R. right. Sounds good. We'll let you get on with your day. Don't freeze. I'm going to go uh, play in the snow.
3: <laughs> you, do, you do. All right, man. Talk to you later.
0: All right. Take care.
3: Say for me. Bye. We'll do.
0: All right. We are going to wrap this up. I'm surprised we made it through today. The technology held out. Uh, my audio quality probably isn't as good as normal. Probably sounds a little echoey. But uh, I'm encouraged that um, I was able to pull this off. And this is the goal we were shooting for anyway, to be able to do this with nothing but a laptop. And uh, we got that figured out. It worked. Now all I have to do is work on the audio quality itself a little bit. So uh, thanks for joining me today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. It's a normal schedule this week. We've still got some crazy weather coming, but I don't think that should affect the show. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.